Hey youth, it's Pastor Luke. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged by this awesome message. Like I said, we are going to talk about Advent um, for the next few weeks, for the next four weeks, and you're probably wondering what the heck is Advent. I don't think that we've done an Advent series as long as I have been here, and Advent to you might not sound important. It might not sound like something that you've celebrated before, but Advent is actually huge in the global church, um, in all sorts of denominations, in all sorts of expressions of Jesus's bride of the church. Advent is massive. It is just as big as Easter or as other special events throughout the year in Christianity. Advent is massive. And we're gonna talk about it really quick. I'm just gonna give you a brief understanding of Advent. And by the way, I'm gonna just go on record to say I am not an expert in this field at all. A lot of this is new to me. So I'm journeying through this with you And the heart behind what we're doing is to soften our hearts so that in this season, like I was just praying, we wouldn't get so fixated on the Christmas time is here. Like we wouldn't get so fixated on all that stuff that we lose sight of what the season is about. And yes, I'm probably gonna unintentionally say at some point, he's the reason for the season. So anyways, uh, Advent is a time of remembering and celebrating Jesus' coming to earth as our savior. And this series of celebrations this season is uh, celebrated in different ways throughout the church. The Eastern Orthodox and Western Orthodox uh, ways of celebrating Advent might be different than Protestant and all sorts of different expressions of the church all throughout the world. But one major way that it's celebrated is the four weeks leading up to Christmas has kind of a different theme. And those four themes are this, and repeat them after me, hope, well, you do better than that, hope, Peace, joy, and love. Those are our four key themes that we're focusing in on and what they have to do with Christmas, what they have to do with Jesus, and what they have to do um, with Advent. But today we are gonna talk about hope just for a few minutes and share a story really quick. Obviously, we are pretty much full swing into Christmas season now and it's awesome. And it's really hard to give a Christmas message and not talk about some sort of story when I got a gift when I was a kid, okay? I know it's not about giving gifts around Christmas time, but like this is a gift-giving story, all right? So when I was probably like eight or nine, I thought I wanted to be a skateboarder. I thought that I wanted to skateboard. I thought I could be good at it. Joke's on me, I was terrible, okay? But I thought I wanted to be, excuse me, a skateboarder. And so I begged my parents, I wanted a skateboard so bad for Christmas. I don't even remember what kind of skateboard. I just wanted a skateboard so bad for Christmas. And I remember, I'm asking. It's end of November, into into December. I'm begging my parents, guys, I want a skateboard. I want a skateboard. I want a skateboard. Probably believed in Santa at that time, too. So I'm writing a letter to Santa every day. I want a skateboard, right? And I'm literally just begging. I'm To use the word, I'm hoping to get a skateboard, unwrap a skateboard on Christmas morning. So Christmas morning comes. And if you've seen the movie A Christmas Story, raise your hand if you've seen that movie, Christmas Story, you probably know what I'm about to say, okay? So my dad pulls the absolute, like literally pulls the Christmas Story card. I open up all my gifts. I get all sorts of cool stuff and like Legos and whatever else an eight-year-old is into. I open up all my presents and there I am at the end of the gift opening party, okay? And I'm sitting on the couch and I got all my stuff. My dad asks me, hey, did you get everything that you wanted? And just like the Christmas story, I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think I got everything I wanted. And my dad goes, wait, I think there's something, something over there behind the tree. And I was like, oh, whatever, like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got all my gifts, whatever. 
my dad goes, no, I, you should go be behind there and check. I think there's a, there's a gift back there. And sure enough, you could probably finish the story for me. I go look behind the tree and what's behind there wrapped up. It's a brand new skateboard. And I'm just this happy kid on Christmas morning. It's amazing. And I didn't get the gift in the way that I thought I would get it, but I got the gift nonetheless. And it almost made it even better that I have this whole experience. That I didn't think I was going to get it, but man, I, this perfect time, my dad's like, hey, what's behind the tree? And sure enough, it was a skateboard. And I love telling that story because it fits so perfectly into what we're talking about tonight. And like I said, just as I thought I wasn't getting the gift, it came in the best way possible. And if you read it in the Old Testament, okay, if, if you knew nothing about Christianity, about Jesus, about the Bible, I'm gonna just talk to you as if you know nothing right now, okay? Is that possible? Can I just talk to you as if you know nothing about the Bible, okay? In the Old Testament, there was God's people, the Israelites, okay? They were God's chosen nation, and the Israelites had a bunch of crazy buck wild kings, okay? They had some jacked up kings that were awful people. They had a few sprinkled in that were like good kings that led the people towards God, that, you know, led the nation in a godly way. But for the most part, their kings were literally terrible. But these guys called the prophets started prophesying, started speaking on God's behalf. God would speak certain things to them. And then they would speak it to the nation. They would proclaim it to the Israelites about what God is up to and what's on the horizon for them. Well, there was this one ongoing prophecy, this one ongoing promise that these prophets would tell to the people. And the prophecy would be something like this, that, hey, there's gonna come a day when there's gonna be this guy and he's gonna be amazing. <laughs> and he's gonna lead the nation and he's gonna lead like nobody else has ever led before. He's gonna be perfect He's gonna be incredible. This is what it says about him in Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse, verse one. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In this case, Isaiah the prophet is prophesying about what's, what would come to be known as the anointed one, the Messiah. In Hebrew, it was uh, Mashiach. It was this this idea of this one singular man, the anointed one. In Greek, it's the Christ. You know, Christ is not Jesus's last name, okay? It's a title, Jesus, the anointed one. And there are plenty of other scriptures, literally dozens of scriptures in the Old Testament prophesying about this one who would be to come. So why was this so encouraging to hear to the Israelites? Why were the Israelites so encouraged hearing about this one day, this one man that would come and rule over them? Well, like I said, they had these terrible kings. They were always being threatened by these nations and people, people all around them wanting to conquer their land or destroy them, wipe them off of the face of the earth. I mean, just read the book of Esther. Literally, the book of Esther is literally about one dude and his right-hand guy, and that right-hand guy wanted to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth, okay? The Israelites had a tough time. So they're hearing this message, okay, it's gonna get better one day. There's gonna be a guy that's gonna come one day, and he's gonna be amazing. And Merry Christmas, <laughs> it happened, 
Give it some time and it happened. There was this weird gap after the book of Malachi, the silent years, and then all of a sudden we pick up in the book of Matthew and it's Christmas time. Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah's prophesying again. He says, for a child is born unto us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Those promises and prophecies were fulfilled at the manger. The king has come. The light has come and pierced through the darkness. That is the message, yes, of Christmas, but of this Advent season, that in the darkness, you know, there was hundreds of years after the end of the Old Testament, there was no prophets, no word of the Lord, and I can't help but think that there were some Israelites around that time that were thinking, this Mashiach, this Messiah, this Christ, he's never gonna come. But Advent and, and Christ's coming, to be more specific, Advent just means arrival, by the way. Christ's arrival on the earth is proof that God makes good on his promises. That's our main idea tonight, that God makes good on his promises. He is trustworthy, he is reliable, he is a firm foundation that you can depend on. So where does that leave us? I don't know about you, but I'm not an Israelite living in the Old Testament times, okay? Where does that leave me as a Gentile, New Testament, Bible-believing Christian? Where do I, what do I do with the fact that these people wanted a Messiah and he came and sweet, that's awesome. Well, we know the rest of the story. That baby in a manger, he grew up. He lived a perfect life. Then he died on the cross and would take the weight of your sin, your shame, and my sin, my shame, he would bear that weight on his shoulders, shed blood that I should have shed, take the beating that I deserved. He took the weight of my rebellion on his back and paid the price for the sin of humanity. That cute little baby in the manger Christmas morning is also why we celebrate Good Friday and Easter. So where does that leave us? Hebrews 9, 28 says, says, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sin of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins. He's already done that. But to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Just as the Israelites were waiting for their Mashiach, we are waiting in the here and now for the coming of Christ again. And this is something that we don't talk about enough in church. We don't talk about this enough in youth group. That like we, we get in our modes of like following Jesus and reading our Bibles and devotions and like youth group and worship and it's all great and awesome. But like let's take a second to recognize that Christ is coming again. That he actually like for real is returning. I don't know the day, I don't know the time, and neither do you and whoever else wacko that tries to claim they do know. They don't know. We know the signs of the times, but Christ is coming back. I don't know if it's tomorrow or 10 years from now or 100 years from now, but Christ is returning. So this chapter of the story of eternity is coming to a close, and until then, we hold on to Hope, everyone say hope. Everyone say hope. 
We hold on to hope, Hebrews 6, 18. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. What does it say? It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. You guys are hecka smart. I don't need to exp explain an anchor to you, but I'm gonna do it anyways, okay? What does an anchor do? It makes sure that a ship isn't going anywhere, even when there's rough waters and a mighty windstorm. And an anchor will reach so far down into the depths of the sea cling to a rock or the sand on the bottom of the seafloor and hold that ship in its place even through the rough waters. That's the hope that God is talking about. That's the hope that Hebrews is talking about. In pain, loss, grief, confusion, disappointment, and loneliness, we hold on to the hope that not only is the Holy Spirit with us now, but one day Christ will make all the wrong things right. Okay, you know that pain that you've experienced in your life, the disappointment that you've experienced in your life, that addiction that you've struggled with for years, that abandonment issue that you've dealt with, the divorce that you've navigated with your family, the, the drama that you've experienced at your school, the betrayal of the, the person that you trusted the most. Okay, all that pain has an expiration date. All that pain has an expiration date. And guess what that date is? When the King of Kings and Lord of Lords splits the sky and makes his return. There's this prayer that we've talked about before, and it's one singular word, Maranatha, and it means, come, Lord Jesus. I wanna be that type of Christian that doesn't just pray that God would alleviate my pain, but rather in pain, I have a Maranatha cry. God, I, I'm feeling this pain right now, but come, Lord Jesus, would you quicken your return? Like there should be an urgency that we have, that he's coming back. But here's the thing. When we don't know him, how can we cling to him? If we don't know him, how can we cling to him? How can we cling to this hope if we don't actually know what the hope is? How can I cling to something that I actually don't have an understanding of yet? You see, culture, the world that we're in says, cling to that future job, that ambition. Cling to that relationship. Cling to that report card. Cling to that college. Cling to that video game. Cling to that sport. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. But can I tell you, video games did not heal me from anxiety. My girlfriend didn't cure my depression. Golf didn't give me purpose. And drumming didn't deliver me from trauma. There is one sure foundation. One one, one person worthy of being an anchor for your soul who can actually do that, who can keep you sure and founded and grounded in the midst of turmoil. It's Christ, the lasting and sure foundation. 
I'm gonna close with one passage. I was thinking about this message earlier and putting it in my notes, and I felt like the Lord just gave me this scripture, and I wanna read it tonight together as we close. It's in Mark chapter 5, 24. Jesus is in his ministry, healing people, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, doing his thing. It says this in Mark 5, 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, other translations say, if I could just reach the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you, you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That story in Mark 5 is proof that he is a sure redemption, sure healing, sure foundation for those who cling to him. This woman, she didn't have, wasn't like she had the faith to, she didn't push through the crowd. She had this crazy faith in her that said, even if I just touch his garment, even if I could just touch his clothes, I believe I could be healed. I don't know what you're going through, but, I, but the message of week one of Advent is that we don't just serve this puny God who like sometimes can do some cool things. No, we serve a God who is a sure and lasting foundation. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're traversing through, no matter the pain that you've experienced, the loss, the disappointment, the hurt, the habit, the hangups, okay? No matter what you've gone through, have this, we can have his faith tonight that's even if I just reach out my hand and touch the hem of his garment, he can heal me, he can deliver me, he can do a mighty work in my life. That baby in the manger didn't stay a baby. That'd be weird. No, he grew up. And guess where he is now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says that he's making intercession. He's praying for you. Jesus is literally not like up in space somewhere like frolicking on the rings of Saturn right now, okay? Like not to, not to like burst whatever, you, whatever preconceived notions you had. Jesus isn't like up like, I don't know, frolicking through fields, okay? Jesus is busy in heaven right now praying for you. That's his job. He's literally leading a prayer meeting in the throne room of heaven, praying for the church, leading a chorus of intercession for believers. That's what he's doing. That's the king of kings that he ascends to heaven and he takes his seat and he begins to pray for you. So in this Christmas season, would we not get so fixated on the cute little manger scene 
though it's beautiful and there's, and there's symbolism and beauty there, but let's remember what that baby did when he grew up, that he died on the cross for you and for me. He paid the price that I should have paid. And he's coming soon. He's coming back again. And there's this old tradition as we celebrate Advent. And this might be like weird to some, but it's a, it's a representation that the light has come in the darkness. That at just the right time, Jesus made his arrival on earth. And at just the right time, he will be coming back again. So I'm gonna light this candle. And this is a symbol of what Jesus came to do, that in the darkness of this world, Jesus came to light it up. And he's called us to be light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Hopefully this works. Yeah, it does. Oh, it's a torch, that's sick. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are our hope. We can trust in you. I don't know who needs to hear that, but you can trust in him. Father, I ask tonight for, as we, as we look forward to Christmas, as we look forward to celebrating your birth, you came to this earth lowly and in a manger. Lord, as we look forward to that, we set our hearts on the fact that you are our source of hope, a sure and lasting foundation. Jesus, we honor you tonight. It's in your name we pray. That was such a great word. I hope you were blessed by it. I know that I was. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed for any future messages and also to follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH to keep up to date with everything we have going on here. See you next time.